and this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Testament book of Genesis. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make you your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is the word of the Lord. So I'd like to start tonight with a question for you to consider. Are you living your life marked by the blessing and favor of God? Are you living your life in a way that it is marked with the blessing and the favor of God? Do you feel chosen by God? Do you feel set apart by him for his purposes? Do you feel especially loved by God? Do you feel like God wants to bless you? Do you feel like God wants to give you increase in your life? Unfortunately, many Christians live more like someone who's been forgiven this huge debt. And now it's their mission to make sure they spend the rest of their lives repaying that debt. That's oftentimes the way we live. And while that principle is true in human relationships, it's not a gospel-centered principle. It's not a Christ-centered way to live. When we live trying to pay God back, then it corrupts our relationship with God. It changes it. It turns it into a relationship that he's given to us to something that we feel like we have to earn. It takes us out of the gospel life and it turns us back to a religion that's based on our actions and it's based on our performance. It takes it away from grace and it puts it over here into a category of works. Now that I've been given this, I must do this in order to repay someone. But God's blessing on us doesn't come to us because we've done something to impress God. He's not blessing you in this moment because, you know what? You finally got it. You had a breakthrough and you understand and now you're good. It comes to us because of what God has done for us, not because of what we have done for him. So I want us to look at how we can live with God's blessing and how he has unveiled the blessing for us. And so today is our next step to living fully under the blessing of God. And I want to encourage you to follow along in your worship folder and the the notes that are in there as well. We're going to start with number one on how to be living fully under the blessing of God. So the blessing of God, number one, begins with the call. The blessing of God, number one, begins with the call. 
What did you do to earn your life? We celebrate birthdays, right? But really, what did you do to really have us celebrate you being born? You didn't do anything. Someone did that for you. Your parents uh, had a lot more to do with you being born than you did. And if you think about your life in the very beginning stages, I doubt many of us can remember that first year of our life. Someone was taking care of us. Someone was there that we were totally dependent upon. And if they didn't choose us, we would not be here today. And today, when it comes to your relationship with God, I want to remind all of us, myself included, that we are still a dependent. So we should make sure when we fill out our taxes that we we mark ourselves as a dependent on God, right? And so you're a dependent on him. And so this blessing of God comes to us similarly than that it, in the same way that, that we receive life from our parents is that someone else has acted on our behalf. Someone else has chosen us. And we see this blessing and this call that begins with uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, which was just read for us, but we're going to look at it again. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, and just a little clean up here, Abram is the same as Abraham, and Sarai is the same as Sarah. Later on, Abram's name was changed to Abraham, and Sarah, Sarai was changed to Sarah. So I'm going to say Abraham and Sarah from, from this point forward, okay? Cool? All right, so Abraham started from the bottom, and now he's here. Okay. So now the Lord said to, <laughs> now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. You're still giggling, are you? (laughs) I am too. Sorry. So we're going to stop on this verse anyway, if you can go back to it. And I want us to look at a couple of things that happen in here. Number one, God called out to Abraham and he said, go forth from your country, leave your family, leave everything you're familiar with, and I'm I want you to go to this place that I'll I'll tell you about later. He didn't tell him where he was going. And so he says, I will show you that later. Take you to this place that I will show you. And so Abraham was moving from a place of familiarity to a place of faith. He was moving from the familiar to the faith. That I'm trusting God even though I don't know where he's going. So he didn't understand the call of God in, in the fullness he didn't know where he was going, but he knew, he knew what he was leaving behind. He knew what he was giving up. And responding to the call of God cost him dearly. He gave up all that he knew and the security of his legacy in order to follow this call of God on his life. And that call is also for us, that God reaches out to us through his scripture and through his Holy Spirit, and he calls us to follow the Lord Jesus. And just like Abraham, we don't have all the answers in our lives either. We don't know all the details of what it means when we say, yes, I will follow you, Jesus. It costs some of us dearly to follow the Lord. Some people move away from family. Some people give up the comforts in life in order to serve the needs of other people. I know people who have separated from family because their faith in Christ now causes their family to look upon them with disdain to where they're not welcome in their family anymore. They're outcasts. Some people choose to adopt children and take a step of faith. Some people take a step of faith and become foster parents. Some take a step of faith and choose to be bold in their faith and tell others about Jesus when it's hard. 
and there's a risk involved. Some people take bold steps and give generously of their time and of their money and of their resources. God doesn't always give us enough details to know what's ahead of us, but he always gives us enough details to be obedient. We don't always know what's coming, but he always gives us enough to say, I will follow you or reject that invitation to follow him. That's the first verse. And in the second verse, we see this. He says, I will make you, it says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. He's talking about Abraham's name, right? He's not talking about the name of God here. I will make your name great, Abraham, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse, who curses you, I will curse. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Amen. God called to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And Abraham didn't initiate that blessing. He wasn't in a position of, of earning that, but God reached out to him and he called him. And God is, through this blessing, he is setting up his people to expect blessings from God. Do you see that? Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless the mess out of you. All of the families on the earth are going to be blessed through you, Abraham. Expect blessings from God. He's saying, expect more this Christmas. It wasn't just Abraham who would be blessed, but all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. And and the same thing happens for us is that, that God's blessing on your life comes through the call of God to Abraham. You are part of that promise. If through faith in Christ, you and I receive a blessing from God that God gave to Abraham. The blessing of God was unveiled to Abraham. So the first step in living fully under the blessing of God and expecting more in our lives and understanding that God wants to bless us is to realize that it begins with a call. It begins with a call of God. The second one is this. The blessing of God is built on the covenant. It's built on the covenant. It's hard to understand covenant in a contract world. Contracts are made and broken all the time. It's very prevalent in the sports world. It's prevalent in business worlds where contracts can be uh, upheld in some ways, but they can be easily dismissed and broken with consequences uh, um, a lot, frequently. And so they come and go, but a covenant is different. It's not like a contract. See, God started this covenant with a promise to Abraham, and we're going to see what that promise is in Genesis 15, uh, 5 through 6. And God took Abraham outside and he said I want you to look toward the heavens and count the stars see he wasn't in New York City so he could actually see all the stars you know that's a good thing to know they were bless you Uh, (laughs) that's my politeness coming out I have to bless someone when they sneeze right and so uh, he he saw all the stars he said I want you to look at those and if you're able to count them I dare you to count them and he said to him as many as so shall your descendants be So he's saying, as many of the stars in the sky are, that's how many descendants you're going to have. And this is quite a bold promise for a man who's really old at the time he receives this. But then he says in verse 6, he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. 
So this promise that God gave for this covenant was that you're going to have descendants more than you can count, okay? And after this, uh, God established the Abrahamic covenant. And this covenant was established by God alone. It wasn't, there wasn't anything Abraham did to establish and initiate this covenant. Usually a promise or an agreement or a covenant is when two people come together and they bind an agreement together to covenant. For example, marriage is a wonderful one to, to look at as an example. A man and a woman, they come together and they say, we promise to one another, we promise to God that till death do us part, we will remain faithful to one another. But that's not what happened here. What happened here was, was God was the one who alone initiated and started this covenant with him. There were, there were animals that were there and they were, they were cut in half and, and usually both parties in that process would go in between the animals and they, that would be their sign of the covenant but God caused Abraham to fall into a deep sleep which didn't allow him to pass through as a standard covenant there was a smoking furnace and a flaming torch in this same chapter and those represent God and that which represented God was the only thing to pass when this covenant was established so this covenant was a promise made by God and God binds himself to the covenant, and on top of that, the fulfillment of the covenant fell on God alone. So we see an establishment that God has done for mankind, for Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, we see the word covenant pop up. And he says, on that day, after what I explained happened, happened, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. So again, the Lord made this covenant. And this is the foundation of our blessing. This is what our blessing is built upon, not our promise. Our blessing isn't made on, God, I promise if you get me out of this jam, I swear I'll never do that again. Okay? Our promise is built on, our, our blessing is built upon the promise that God has made to us and fulfilled in entirety for us. And too often we put too much emphasis on uh, what we do and have done and we negate the truth of what God has done in our lives. Here's a question for you to consider. Do you feel good about your relationship today with God because you've been living in victory this week? So are you here today and you think, you know what? I had a great week. I can't wait to go to church. I'm excited to worship. I feel good because I did well this week. If you're good, does that cause you to feel closer to God? And if the answer is yes, then I want you to be careful because you're setting yourself up for a great fall. As soon as you fail, as soon as you stop being good, you're going to feel unworthy of God's love and forget about ever feeling like God should bless you. So is your relationship with God built upon what you're doing or is your relationship with God built upon the covenant that God has established? That's very important. The second step to, to fully living in and under the blessing of God is, is knowing that it is built on a covenant that God has made and God has fulfilled. That's number two. Number three. The blessing of God is suppressed by compromise. It's suppressed by compromise. So what do we do with our failure since I brought that up a minute ago? 
what do we do when we fail? Should we feel joyful and rejoice that, yay, I failed, so I'm still, I'm closer to God now. Uh, What do we do with this failure? How do we handle our sin? Just because God calls us and just because he establishes his covenant with us doesn't mean that we can forget about our actions and just go and do whatever we want to do. Our blessing from God is suppressed when we compromise, when we, when we fall to sin. But the blessing that God gives us, the blessing itself does not go away. But that blessing stops fulfilling its ultimate goal. Look with me in Genesis chapter 16 when we see the, the failure of Abraham and Sarah. In verse 3 it says, After Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as his wife. God had given a promise to Abraham and Sarah and said, I'm going to bless you with a child, and he's going to be the one through whom this promise is fulfilled. And that took a lot longer than they wanted it to take. And so they compromised, and they came up with their plan. In verse 4 it says, He went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave you my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly, and she, Hagar, fell, fled from her presence. So Abraham and Sarah made a huge mistake in their impatience, waiting for God to fulfill his promise. They didn't see how he was going to do that. They were old, and they thought, okay, maybe we misheard God, and we need to take matters in our own hand because Sarah's like, I'm really old, and Abraham, you're no spring chicken either. And so I, I'm past my prime, and so she's, why don't you take Hagar, and you have a child through her, and it wasn't that crazy back then for that to happen, even though we, 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 we don't want to encourage that anymore. Um, and so, um, but it was something that, that happened then, and then she turned around and got upset. She's like, Abraham, take Hagar and have a child with her, and that'll be the fulfillment of the promise. And then when the child came along, she was like, Abraham, why'd you do that? <laughs> you told me to do it. <laughs> and so it's a, it's a big issue. And so there, were, there was jealousy. There was anger. There was a lot of hurt. And their compromise brought a lot of meh into their lives. That's the Greek word. Actually, it's a Hebrew word. We're in the Old Testament. Uh, for clarification, uh, Hagar could possibly be an ancestor to Sammy Hagar. Um, uh, we know that he struggled with sin in his life and compromise, especially when he drove, because he, according to a song, can't drive 55. Um, a few of you will get that. A few of you wish I hadn't said that, and that's okay. So Sarah started treating Hagar terribly because of the choice that she came up with, right? You ever done that in life? Where you made a bad, bad choice, and then later you start blaming other people for your choices? Like, why'd you listen to me? 
it, she treated her terribly, and it cost him dearly, because later Ishmael, the son from Hagar and, and Abraham, would become an enemy, and he would never be the promised son from the Lord. In fact, the New Testament letter of Galatians, Paul shows how Hagar and Ishmael represented a different covenant called the Sinai covenant. And Sarah and Isaac, which is the eventual son that, that um, Abraham and Sarah had, he represented a different covenant called the covenant of grace. Lots of issues arose because of their sin. Abraham didn't lose his blessing, though. This is important. He didn't lose his blessing, but his compromise brought hostility and misery into his life and into his family's life. It also suppressed the blessing by not allowing it to flow from God through Abraham to the world with the same power in the same plan. It caused increased issues. The blessing from God also for us doesn't stop when we sin. You hear me? God's blessing doesn't stop when we sin, but it suppresses it. It keeps it from going through us to other people. It's not taken away because we fail, because if God took it away because we failed, then that means somehow maybe we earned it because we succeeded. But it's built upon the covenant of God. But when we do experience heartaches and pain as a result of our sinful choices, we're, we're suppressing that blessing And sin does cause the blessing to stop short of its target. If you're only praying, listen, for your own blessing in life, then I want to encourage you to to pray more, expect more this Christmas. Pray for others to be blessed through you. It's not just, I'm not saying that you need to be blessed and expect more this Christmas so that you can have the best Christmas ever. I'm not stopping with that. But so that you can have the best Christmas ever, so others can have the best Christmas ever. That unlocks the blessing of God to fully flow through us when we live in purity and we desire God's blessing to be not only on us, but to go through us to other people. God trusts us and he wants to give us more. So the third step in living fully under the blessing of God is understanding that it's it's suppressed by compromise. Number four, the blessing of God is secured by confidence in Jesus. The blessing of God is secured by confidence in Jesus. So when you fail, when you go back to step number three and you're like, man, I really messed up, what do you do with it? You be confident in Jesus. I failed, I'm confessing it, and I'm realizing my salvation and my blessing and my relationship with God was never, ever, ever dependent on my actions. I'm confident in the actions of Jesus. And when you have a great week and you're ready to go to church and celebrate, be confident in Jesus and realize if it were not for Jesus, I wouldn't have been victorious this week. If it were not for his grace, this wouldn't have happened. So praise Jesus for what you have done for me. How do we show confidence in Jesus? So what is it that we do to show confidence in Jesus in our lives? What action do we take? Well, here's what Abraham had to do. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 7 through 10, The Lord is speaking to Abraham, and he says this. He says, I will establish. This is God saying this. God says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God too. 
Then God said to Abraham, at this point, was 99 years old, right? Abraham's 99. That's old even in biblical times, okay? He says, now as for you, Abraham, you shall keep my covenant. So there's responsibility on Abraham's part. You and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. So without going into a lot of detail here, what happened here is Abraham was called to have his flesh cut. There had to be blood for this covenant, a shedding of blood, and and he was to be marked as a sign of the covenant. And this was a sensitive, intimate, private command from God. And Abraham surrendered to the Lord And he was willing to give the Lord authority over himself. So what does that mean for us? What sign are we to give or receive to participate in this covenant with God as he has for us? In a different way, we too still have to be cut by God. There still has to be a shedding of blood on our behalf. We too must submit our sensitive, intimate, and private lives to the Lord and allow him to cut away the flesh of the old self in order to receive life through this new covenant. And here's how we see that happening in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Right before this section, um, Paul was writing this letter and he, he, he talked about how in Christ is the fullness of deity. The fullness of God is in him. And in this Christ, in this Jesus of Nazareth, you are made complete. You're made full, whole. And he goes on and he says, and in him, in Jesus, you were also circumcised. So he's going back to the old covenant here. You were circumcised with this circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Christ in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through the faith, uh, through faith in the working of God, who raised Jesus from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions, doesn't mean when you were not that good of a person. Doesn't say when you struggled you know, with sin, when you're on the struggle bus, you know, it says when you were dead in your transgressions, hopeless, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive. He took you from death to life, together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile toward us. And he has taken it out of the way, having what? Nailed it to the cross. Our sign is having this confidence in identifying with Christ. That's what we do. We are identifying with him and our sign of the covenant is faith in him and dying to self 
and having God be Lord over all of me. Everything about me. That Lordship means that he, he owns me. And before Christ, death owns me. Sin owns me. I'm a slave to that. I can't do anything about it. But through identifying with Christ and calling on him as Lord, I identify with his death and I am raised with him, forgiven. Are you confident in the work that Jesus has done for you? Are you confident in the work that he has done for you? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you said, every part of me is now yours? Is your heart marked by love for Jesus? Has it been changed? Do you worship Jesus? Do you ascribe worth to him and say, Jesus, you are everything to me? Do you say, Jesus, you are Lord? This is the sign of a new covenant. Baptism follows this conversion as you identify with Jesus' death and burial and you're raised up from the waters alive in Christ as Jesus rose himself from the dead. And the greatest blessing God has for us this Christmas is not getting things from him. That's not the greatest blessing. The greatest blessing God has for us is the fact that we are made right with him. There's this enmity, this hostility that's between us and between God, and that's called sin. And there's nothing you can do to fix it. But the greatest blessing of all for us is realizing that God has entered into our brokenness and he has fixed it for us. Without Jesus, we're not God's children, but we're slave to sin and condemned. But with Jesus, the old flesh and desires are cut away and we become God's children. So the final step in living fully under the blessing of God is understanding that we are to live with confidence in Jesus. This is what he's done for me. So when you and I live knowing God has called us and he's made a covenant with us and God has conquered our sin and that we have confidence in what Jesus has done, now we can expect to live as a people of blessing. I can go to God and I say, God, I expect you to bless me, not because of what I've done, but because of the way you've proven your love for me and what you have done for me in these dramatically life-changing ways. Why would you do that? Why would you make a way for me to be forgiven? Why would you make a way for me to be saved from death? Because God loves me. And why would God want to bless me this Christmas? And why should I expect God to bless me in ways he's never blessed me before? Because God wants to bless the people around me too. God wants them, you, everyone around me to know this transformative love of God. Don't spend your life paying God back. That's not the point. You don't pay him back. But spend your life pointing yourself and others to what Jesus has done for you. To what God has done for us through Jesus in being our only hope. To seeing that he has secured our blessing. I want to finish with this and I want to invite all those who feel confident in Jesus tonight to repeat after me. There's, there's going to be enough of you that you won't stand out if you don't want to say this. 
But I want us to, to close with this. I want you to say with me, I am blessed. Ready? I am blessed. Again, I am blessed. One more. I am blessed. One more. I am blessed. One more. I am blessed. One more time. I am blessed. Do you believe you're blessed? I am blessed. Do you believe it? I am blessed. All right. Now let's go win the game. All right? We need to do that more. We need to speak these words of faith in our lives and remind the enemy that we are a blessed people. And Satan can turn those accusations somewhere else because through Christ, nobody can take away your blessing. And if you're here tonight and you're not sure if you're blessed or not, tonight's the night to talk to me or Larry or pray to God right there in your seats during this next time of of response and say, God, tonight, I want your blessing on me. I give my life to you. You are my Lord and Savior. Will you pray with me? Father, tonight I pray that you would move in our hearts and and cause us to remember throughout the day when we wake up in the morning and the, the enemy starts attacking us even as we wake. God, remind us in that moment that I am blessed. God, remind us when we're at work and the day is long and the breaks are short and their tempers are flaring and the stress is high. Remind us that I am blessed. Remind us that because of what you have done, no one can ever weigh, ever take away your blessing from us. That we are a blessed people and you have unveiled that blessing through Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Amen.